Today, we're going to be looking at a verse to find some encouragement in a world that there isn't always a lot of encouragement out there. And it's a verse that um, when I think about being God's masterpiece, I'm like, I'm not sure I see myself that way most times. And I'm not sure I see the world that way most times. And I'm not sure I see those people around me that way most times. But you know, the whole verse says, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us a long ago. So we weren't made in his image just to be admired and to look in the mirror and admire ourselves. He had a different plan. He wanted us maybe what do you think? To do good things? Could that be kingdom work, bearing fruit of the spirit? And, and just that kind of brings to mind that the beauty of who we are comes from the inward working of the spirit. Brooke, I see a beautiful, beautiful spirit in you. And I see the, um, the inward working of the spirit through your life. And I, I know you're going through some hard times and I feel like I've been through a little bit of, of tough things. And I think a lot of other people are are out there too. What do you think about this inward working of the spirit? When you were reading this verse and, and we talk about, you know, that, that we are God's masterpiece. I think the most important part of that whole verse is the fact that, um, the reason we are his masterpiece is because we are created in Christ Jesus. It is because of Christ that we are his masterpiece. Right. And so, uh, the fact that that when we become Christians and the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells us and it guides us and sanctifies us through our life, um, I think that is just super encouraging for me. I think one thing it does is it takes the pressure off me, right? It takes the pressure off me and my abilities and my desires and um, my gifts and my talents and my motivations or whatever it is, and it really does give it to give it to the spirit to do his work. He's the one that's doing the work in me. It doesn't come from me. It's my job to be obedient. It's my job to do what I've been called to do and to um, obey those leadings of the spirit, but he's the one doing all the work. And I think that's just such a wonderful thing um, for people who feel like, like they're not enough because we really aren't enough, right? <laughs> we're not enough to do these things. It is only because of Christ that we're able to do them. And so I guess when I hear that verse and when I hear, um, you know, being God's workmanship is another, um, another word for masterpiece that's used in the ESV version. I think it takes the, the pressure off us being the ones who are, are supposed to do all these things. And if we just allow the spirit to work through us, that the good things are going to come out of it. That's a really interesting, interesting perspective. And I think that is really important when we think we have to do it all. And that we have to control every little thing comes out in many different ways, but many times it comes out in the way we control our food environment and the way we're trying to control our food environment, the way we're trying to control what everybody else eats. And sometimes we can't really control what we eat ourselves. Like maybe mm -hmm. we're out of control in one way or another. So we try to control others and we try to impose all the restrictions on other people as to how they should live. And sometimes that comes out in the area of food. I was looking up the word uh, masterpiece in the Greek and it 
um, it comes from the same word in other translations, like the King James, they use the word workmanship. We also see that the word, it means workmanship or masterpiece, but it's also the same word for like poem or poetry. And so it's kind of like this artistic kind of thing that God is creating, or when we become in Christ, we are created a new creature, but not just like any creature. It is something that is masterfully put together as you might a poem or, or poetry or a masterpiece right. or something that you're working on. Right. And I think when you say that, the thing that comes to mind for me is um, also uniqueness, you know, like we are all unique and God has created all of us um, differently and to do different things. And so that's a really cool way of looking at it too, that we're not just all these, um, you know, prototypes, <laughs> um, but we're, we're each individually um, created given unique gifts, giving unique callings to carry out in our lives. And so I know, <clears throat> you know, if we, if we're going to apply this to even, you know, body image type, I, I think we can look at it the same way that um, God created us to all look different. He created us to all not only have different personalities and, and gifts, like I was saying, but we all have different bodies and we all look different and we're all going to look different. We're not all meant to look the same. And I think there's some beauty in that too. And I know like the body positivity movement, I think, I think has pros and cons to it. I think, you know, the positive parts of it are, um, I think we should be positive about our bodies. I don't think we should be negative about them. And so I think, um, you know, being content with and, and appreciating the body that we have and the body that we've been given is an awesome thing. But I know there's a lot of there's a lot of pushback in the mainstream media too on it that, you know, well, we shouldn't be celebrating larger bodies or we shouldn't be celebrating these things. And I, I don't know. I think all bodies are great. I think all bodies are good. You know, God said that he created us and said it was good. Um, our bodies as Christians are part of us. Like we, we do have this intermingling of our souls and our bodies where we're not like separate entities. And so, you know, that aspect of it too is, we need to, you know, we need to appreciate our body. It's okay to celebrate our bodies. Um, I don't think we should celebrate bad behaviors. I think that's where we probably differentiate the two. You know, it doesn't matter what your body looks like as long as you're taking care of it in a good way. And as long as you're, you're stewarding it well, I think that's all that matters. And we need to make sure that we're not, again, just focusing on that outward appearance as being what God created us to be, because we're so much more than that outward appearance. And it really is that inward spirit. It's our character. Um, and it's those good works that God designed us to do. That is so true. You know, I, I was able to see um, Michelangelo's uh, masterpiece in the uh, ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. And, you know, a masterpiece takes a long time to create. And we, as um, people of God, it takes a long time for changes to happen in us and happen a little at a time. And so sometimes I don't know the answer to this question, but I look in the mirror. Is it the outward appearance that makes us feel the way we do inside, like kind of icky sometimes, or is it an icky feeling inside that makes us look at our bodies 
a little on unhappy side. You know, which which comes first? I think you could take it from either either angle. If we are a masterpiece in the making and changes are happening inside of us, we have to show ourselves grace when we fall. We have to show others grace when we fall. And I think as we struggle with our our bodies and and where they're at right now, we have to show some grace. So when we look in the mirror, we can see the beauty that Christ has put in us. Right. And to answer your question, so the question was, is it the the outward appearance that makes us feel icky or is it the, um, what was the other part of it? Is it the inward that makes us see ourselves in a, in a negative way? I think it depends on the standard you're basing it on, right? So I think the, the culture and the societal standards of what we should look like is what kind of drives that if we look in the mirror and we don't meet that, then we're going to feel icky about ourselves. So that's us comparing ourselves to the outward standard. I think if it's the inward that's making us look different, I think that's more of a heart issue, right? So that's more of the, you know, am I, am I content with the way that God created me? Am I content in the body that he's given me? Am I able to accept and take care of that body? Because when we do that, that completely changes the way that we see ourselves in the mirror, right? That internal part. So um, I think it depends on what standard you're basing it on. It's, is your standard coming from like God's standard of what we what we should be as women um, and not necessarily what we should look like, but what is his beauty standard versus what is the world's beauty standard? And I think that's definitely uh, gonna play into that role of how we're seeing ourselves when we look in the mirror. And, you know, I think of the politics today and I think of what's going on in Afghanistan and I think of the women there and I think about the abuse they go through. But, you know, all the the sex trafficking, I think of even the abuse in the United States for for women. And so many times um, it doesn't even have to go to that point before we do not feel any self-worth. We don't feel, we don't understand that we are a masterpiece that's precious and a masterpiece that's extremely valuable to the artist. And I think that's a message for um, all of us today is to think of that masterpiece. It's, um, it points to the artist who, who made us, God created us. And, you know, an interesting thing about masterpieces is it can inspire people. So maybe what God has created in us will inspire somebody else, that they can see a light in us, that they can see a difference. And um, I cringe sometimes because um, I don't think that people always see a difference in me. But if I ever know that they <laughs> did, that is like, I think that's what God wants. Oh, goodness, Jackie. Yes. Um, God uses you and it is very apparent in your life and in your actions and in your words um, that he is that he is doing good things in your life. So I don't want you to. Ever but isn't it, <laughs> I agree. And I think I've been motivated since we've been doing this podcast to never mention people's body weight, their weight loss, their um, change in eating or any of those kind of things. But think about talking about, wow, I've seen an inward change. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, because that's what really matters, right? That process of us becoming more and more like Jesus, that is what matters on this earth. And none of that other stuff, it, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we what we weigh. It doesn't matter what we eat. It doesn't, none of that stuff matters. And so keeping our our minds and our lives and our actions and our thoughts, you know, on those kingdom matters, like you said, that is that is the masterpiece. That is the workmanship that we've been created to do is to do um, kingdom work. Because our lives here on this earth are so temporary and everything that we do here is in preparation for eternal life. If you are a Christian, that's, that is our destiny. That is our real home. And so everything that we do should be focused on that and come from a place of um, an internal perspective rather than an earthly one. I love that work, kingdom work. And um, I just thought we should talk a, a little bit about real practical ideas of what that kingdom work could look like, because, you know, that's what this verse is talking about. We are a masterpiece created to do um, good things. And so, you know, good things could be a lot of different things for as many different people as they are. I mean, so individual. And um, we can even say a prayer each morning, like, Lord, what do you have me to do today? You know, when someone crosses my path, let me know, let me know, um, prod me. And in my faith that I had as a child that I was taught, it was taught as a small, still voice. Like, let me hear that small, still voice, Lord. Let me hear a prodding of kind of like pulling on the heartstrings of, of what you want today. And um, I thought we could give some really practical examples of, of, uh, you know, when you see somebody who is obviously overweight and they're eating food that might not be everybody's first choice of nutrition, it's like, okay, how can I react to this person? How can I show love and enjoy? I could sit down beside them and eat with them the same kind mm -hmm. of food. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that right. would be doing kingdom work rather than criticizing them say, Hey, I have an apple. Would you rather have an apple to eat than that? Yes. Um, that's a really good one. And I would say, especially, uh, when we talk about that, like the, the, the fat shaming or the body shaming that is rampant right now on social media. I think being kind to people on social media is another thing. There is so much, so much hatred and so much criticism that people, um, that people engage in on the social media platform because you, you don't have a real person sitting there, right? And so it's so easy to just lash out and say something mean. And so I think being kind on social media is another thing that we can do um, for people in regards to that. I know I follow lots of people who are in kind of the, the fat, the body positivity or fat positive movement. Um, and they have people say horrible things to them, horrible things to them on social media. And it's just, it's not, it's not nice. So I think just being kind to people, like treat other people, how you want to be treated uh, is one thing that we have forgotten as a society. And I think in general, just, yeah, if everyone could remember what that golden rule is and live by that golden rule, it would be a much nicer place to live much nicer world. to live I, in. I was just looking up on my phone. Cause you're talking about being nice on social media. 
I have a friend and I'm going to use her name, Lisa Thomas, that I, I knew um, when we were back in our twenties and whenever she texts, it is so uplifting. It is so encouraging and it is so loving. And, you know, we've only seen each other once in 40 years. Oh, wow. And I still get this loving, warm feeling of someone wrapping love around me whenever she sends a text. I've thought about those, those things. And that's how I would love to be to my, um, my daughters, my daughter-in-laws, my, the people that I text that, that they would be uplifting and encouraging. And, you know, sometimes we text really fast and it comes across a little cold and harsh. And, I'm totally um, guilty of that. <laughs> I'm totally guilty of that. Yeah. No, but um, some people, some people naturally have the gift of encouragement, which I think is awesome. I think others of us have to work at it. Like encouraging words are not my gift. They're just not. I am a very, like, I always tell people I speak and I write in bullet points. Like I'm just short as possible to get the point across. I don't like to elaborate. I don't like to do those things. And so, um, to give an encouraging word to someone else requires me like to stop and be super intentional about it because it's not going to come out naturally. So that's a cool word, super intentional. I think that really fits our idea here of a masterpiece and that we're here as a masterpiece to do good things is in order to do good things, in order to do kingdom work, in order to have um, the spirit in us shine out, I think we have to be super intentional. That's a great word for this, this uh, podcast. Yes, definitely. It does require intention because if we are not specifically pursuing things like this and, and doing good works, um, there's enough distraction in this world to keep us from doing that, right? It's just easier to binge Netflix. It's easier to scroll social media all day. It's easier to stay isolated and, and do your own thing um, rather than um, being out there and yeah, doing things for other people or, or going to church or, or whatever it is. And so it's very easy, I think, in our society to do the opposite of that. So it does require intention. And I think when we look in the mirror, and are dissatisfied, there could be two reactions. One is to throw yourself into busyness, be crazy, crazy busy, so busy you don't even think about it. And the other is to withdraw. Mm. And both really keep us from doing the kingdom work. Because in one, we might be doing things at church even, but we're so busy, we're not truly doing the work that God made us to do, we're just doing busy work. And then the other is probably where I would fit in. I actually, I've done both. I have, I have thrown myself into so busy, crazy, busy, but I've also withdrawn from people and pulled back. So I, there's no way I'm going to be able to do kingdom work. And I think that it's okay every once in a while to draw back for prayer and meditation or fasting or whatever God has called you to, to be revitalized, but not in a way that separates us from others. Um, when there's hurt at church, when there's hurt at how somebody has said something about you or hurt when you look in the mirror and you don't like what's happening and it's like, God, why have I failed so badly at all these diets? 
when you yeah. pull back after those, that's, that's probably not, um, always helpful. What do you think? Yeah. Well, what you were talking about with like the busyness, I think a lot of people, you know, when, when we think good works, um, if we focus too much on doing good works that we can get too busy with that. And when the, when the motivation behind doing the good works is specifically to do the good works, it's not necessarily the spirit leading us to do those things, right? We have to have like those good works come out of us because of the spirit working in us. So we need to be regularly praying, regularly reading our Bible. Like when we are in right relationship with God in that aspect, those good works are going to flow from us and we're going to know which ones to say yes to and which ones to say no to. But when our, um, you know, relationship with Jesus or when our faith becomes specifically to do good works. And I think that's where like the social justice um, gospel um, has, has it, you know, there, there's good, there's good and bad to it. And I don't want to get into a debate on that, but like when, when churches are so focused on the social gospel, social justice aspect of church and relationship and, and the gospel, it becomes all works-based. Like we just have to do these things for, for these people because they need it, but they leave the gospel out of it. And when you leave Jesus out of it, then it's really not any better than than a secular person doing those things. And so it's just so important that all of our works come out of us because of Jesus in us. Like that is really the key. Um, and then as far as the second question you asked about isolating, yeah, I mean, we are called to be in fellowship and in community and with other people like humans. We know that humans do not do well in isolation. Uh, when they put a prison, you know, a really dangerous criminal in prison, the, the most severe punishment they have is isolation. And so humans are not made to be alone. They are not made to be apart from other people. And so we know that that's not good either. And um, Satan can find us and, and attack us in, in isolation as well. I think if we look at what happened during the COVID lockdowns and, and the quarantines and all of the, the mental health issues and the drug addiction and the abuse and the suicides, I mean, we, we are not meant to, yes, we, yes, like we are not meant to live in isolation. It is not good for us. It is not good for us physically. It's not good for us emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And so we need people. And so finding that balance, right. Finding that balance between going out and doing good work, having being, being filled enough yourself to be able to do those good works. It starts with that relationship with Jesus. And then hopefully we don't have to focus too much on those things because that's all going to spill out of us if we are in a good relationship with him. And, and, you know, the call to be in relationship or to be in fellowship with other believers or just other people, you know, life is messy. It's complicated. There can be division. Um, there's all of those things, but we are called to be a light and it all comes back to that this masterpiece that it's something precious that he's given us that we are to go do. He has a purpose for what we are to do by doing that. You know, that's how we shine our light. That's such an important part of the great commission. And sometimes I think that we uh, forget to take all of this into context and understand exactly that there is a vision. God has a vision there for us. And he's slowly taking us towards that purpose. 
And sometimes we can't understand where we're headed or where we're going. And that's where faith comes in. Yes. Yep. I agree with that a hundred percent. I think um, another thing, especially in this world right now that we can do as Christians uh, to, to be a light uh, is, is to speak truth. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's, there's so much messaging in the world right now. I think people are highly confused about what's true and what's not true. Um, and one thing that we do know is that God's word is true. And so we can speak truth to other people through his word, um, knowing God, knowing his character, know what he, what he views as good uh, versus not good. That is one thing that we can do as Christians is just continue to speak truth in a world of just utter chaos right now. And that is an awesome thing. That is an awesome thing that we can do. And um, other things is prayer. And um, I think of the fruit of the spirit. I think of praying, praying those things that they would be evident in our lives, that we could have maybe what you might call a fruitful life so that uh, those around can, can see that. And when we, when we are focused on this um, fruitful life, it really has nothing to do with what kind of food we're putting in our mouth and whether it's GMO or not, whether it's uh, grass fed or not, whether it's hormone free or not. I mean, all of those labels in many ways mean nothing. They're no different than another food that's not labeled that way, possibly. But, um, you know, if we put too much focus on those earthly things, we are really going to miss, we're going to miss God's vision for us. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, it's all a distraction. Satan likes to distract us from what we're really here for. Um, and so it's really important that we, again, we keep our mind on those eternal things and on those kingdom matters. I just want to add just a few more real practical things of what we could, what it might mean to do good things and what it might not mean. I think that when people correct other people, like sitting at the dinner table and uh, try to have them eat a certain way or try to say something, even our conversation, is it uplifting and encouraging? Even if we're trying to help, that's still not necessarily the definition of good things because God is talking about something very different when he's talking about these good things. And I think people, when they push someone to better health, like it could be a good thing, but our culture has made it. So it is so harsh, so judgmental and sometimes so wrong. Right. It, it depends on, you know, like what, what do we consider good or what do we consider right when it comes to how we eat or, or what we look like again? So if it's a standard of, of our, our society and being in a certain body size, there's, there's way, there's way more that goes into our health than, than our body size. And so, uh, same with diets, like, like you were saying, if, if someone is trying to help someone by pushing a certain diet on someone, what's, what's to say that that diet's right for that person? What's to say that, that a different eating pattern isn't right? I don't know. Good intentions behind it. I get it, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's complicated. You know, what we can know for absolute sure is that God's word is true. 
And God's word is right. His God, his word is encouraging. It is uplifting. And it is something that we can use to, to help others. So I think starting a meal with prayer has a lot to do with this idea that we're created in Christ Jesus as a masterpiece to do good things. I mean, a prayer, a grace, a time of saying grace is uh, maybe it can set the mood and remind us what this time at the dinner table is for. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of, of table prayer, and I think that's an awesome way to do that. I think every family should have a habit of um praying and truly being thankful for the food that they're given at each meal. It really does. It, it re kind of, uh, sets your, your heart. It resets your mind, um, makes us grateful, right. For what we've been given, right. Which is something that we need to do. Um, it's going to change our perspective and our attitude about a lot of things. When we have you know, when you sit at the dinner table, sometimes you think, okay, now's my time. I can correct my kid. I can get him to do what I want because I've been trying all day to catch them, to remind them this, 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 and this, mm. and this. But if we start with grace, sometimes it reminds us, okay, the important thing here is that we are together. We are making memories we are sharing our lives and, um, you know, it, it, it changes a little bit how we think about, okay, what's, what's my purpose here at, at this meal? Right. All right. Do you have any other practical tips or are we, you know what, I think, I think we could go on forever with practical tips because I think it's something different for every single person. It's like, say, God, open my heart to what, what open my eyes to what I can see today to do for somebody else, open a door, say hello, uh, something like that. So anyway, I do, I do feel like this is a really important topic and I love the idea that, um, we are his masterpiece. Yes. Thank you so much for listening today and we'll see you next week.